welcome, welcome, welcome podcast listeners. You are here with your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. It is episode number 291 of the Fret Talk podcast. You are joined today by Mr. Oh my gosh, it is Josh. I'm back, bitches. Yeah, it's been a little while, hasn't it? It's been a little while. Yeah, it's been busy. Indeed. You've been a very busy boy. In fact, you were like, we, we met up. Before the last time you podcasted, haven't we? In actual real life person at a guitar show. Yeah, which I'm sure I will be divulging. And I had a birthday. I, uh, I've i leveled up. <laughs> you have indeed. One extra year upon that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we've, we've got, some, got some stuff this week. Um, but before we do any of that, how are you, my man? How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm doing very well. I can't complain. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm awake and I'm here. So that's that's none of us for the like for the longest time are not ill. We're not coughing. We're not sneezing. We're not sniffing. You know, touch wood. Yeah. Um, You know, we're all well. What's going on with the world? We're we're out of the uh, out of the woods, aren't we? Look, the fluey season has gone, and now it's. I say that. This week we've had snow, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do with that? What do you do with that information? The fact that it's what are we talking like mid March now, and it's life. I found out that apparently it's statistically more likely to snow in March than any other month in the year. Well, it's definitely it's it's shown that to be the case because it's snowed for two days running. Then had a little break and then snowed again. Yep. <laughs> and it screwed with me massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 put part to a lot of plan. Um it, in fact it prevented me from sending out my poor poor lappy to be uh to be repaired. And it is my my newer, beautiful, spanky fast running laptop is now off with the repair people's. So we are we are back on old trusty. That's it. We're on we're on we're on old faithful at the moment, like OG original Dell laptop. So if if things don't sound quite as crisp and high definition, we'll blame it on that. Then tough cook tough titties. Yeah, I mean this is this is the free podcast, so um yeah, look, if you write us in a letter, we'll give you your money back. <laughs> yeah, we'll purposely send three pound back to your bank account. <laughs> I ain't sending three pound back. I can't afford that <laughs> shit. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's uh, let's ruminate on what we've been up to this week because you've got a big, big chunk of stuff. I'm going to start this week. I'm going to go, go ahead, my friend. Yeah. So there's a there's a video that I've been working on for the past month or so. Um. It's kind of, it's been on the back burner a little bit because I had to, look, I say had to. I went on holiday just after receiving a guitar in the post. So I got to got to play it for a little while, but I knew that I didn't have a chance to record any of the stuff. Finally, I'd got the, got the stuff recorded and, and released the video. And this is the video on the Jet Guitars JS400. Because as I'd mentioned, I was talking about um, wanting an HSS guitar and thought 
I'd reached out to the lovely people at Jet and asked them if I could try one of their guitars because it looked looked like the spec that I would like. It had a two-point trim. It had a roasted maple neck, and it was an HSS setup. So they sent me through a rather lovely vintage yellow, I think they call it, um, one. It looks very Malmsteen. It's got that kind of look. Look. It's in like butterscotch. Isn't it called butterscotch or something like butterscotch blonde? No, no, no. So because it's like butterscotch blonde is like a transparent, um, transparency finish. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is the one. This like when all of the Olympic white Stratocasters have been around for about <laughs> about twenty years, they start turning this kind of yellowy color, and that's it's almost exactly the finish that the Malmsteen Strats have. So it's like it's a really cool looking guitar, and it it kind of plays into that little Malmsteen fantasy that I have. Because, I mean, as ridiculous as the guy is, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's like it's like 80s action heroes, isn't it? Like, Never, No one will ever admit to liking him. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of... I do. I, 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 there's a couple of really, really cool Malmsteen albums. I think Odyssey is one. Um, Rising Force as well are just albums that if I'm especially if I'm going on like a long car journey I want some like pumped up music to to kick back to and just be like yeah we're on an adventure slap on some Malmsteen listen to some overblown Phrygian dominant runs (laughs) yeah sounds like Malmsteen alright yeah the dude like the dude has absolutely no tact or taste but it it does a thing and the thing he does he does well so if if that's the thing that you you enjoy and i do like from time to time i'll slap on some malmsteen and really enjoy it um it's like that it's almost like deep purple but turned up to 11 and i'm a i like, I like deep purple so it, like the the jet js 400 gave me those kind of vibes obviously not <laughs> malmsteen strat quality it's not like like fifteen hundred quid's worth of Fender Strat. It's a it's a budget guitar, but I wanted to give it a go, and I thought I'd see how how much I would be willing to um to recommend this guitar to a beginner. Uh, so I put it through a couple of tests, and you'll see you'll see those tests on the video. I'll not go through it all in in detail, but. I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. It's a cool guitar. But I do have some further news. Like if you if you're part of the Patreon crew, you will you'll have heard about this guitar previously. And I've got some further um further things to mention about this. So I'll mention on the page the the next stages in the the JS four hundred saga. Dun dun dun. Indeed. Remember, patreon.com slash fret talk, two dollars a month. Be part of that suspense. Illustrious. Yeah. Illustrious. Like, it's like the murder mystery of uh, Patreon content, isn't it? <laughs> Who done it? Uh, but not only did I do that, I've uh, the last um, pedal demo that I recorded on my computer before I sent it off was the Sonic Egg Bit Crusher. Uh, it's called the Wave Crush. And it is potentially the most mental guitar pedal that I have ever done. 
on the uh, the Budget Pedal Chat channel. So it's well worth well worth checking out. It's a pedal that I think actually, Josh, I think you would probably quite like it. I I, I do like a bit Crusher. I'm not going to lie, and um, my Coopersonic Germaniac, which I constantly go on about all the time because it's my most favourite force pedal of all time and space. Yeah. Um, it it does a very bit crushery thing. Yeah, when it goes mad, so, so um, uh, this this one kind of straddles the line between. So there's definitely kind of bit crushery sounds, but there's like synthy fuzz, almost kind of like digital synthy fuzz tones. Um, and I don't know, almost kind of ring modulated tones as well. So it sounds very reminiscent of the Keeley synth one because that's a synth fuzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they would have called it a, th- a synth fuzz, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid because it's definitely got those tones with it. But it's also got, like it's got a clean blend as well. So you can mix in as much of your original tone to get clarity. Because with some of the settings, like with the filter at certain points and like the bit rate down, you start to lose what actual note you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, yeah, I like how, this, how that sounds. <laughs> so you, you can get it to like really fuck with your tone, um, but you can then clean back in the, uh, sorry, mix in the clean blend a little bit so that you can like hear the melodies that you're supposed to be playing with like an undercurrent of like gritty gnarliness. Yep, that's uh, that, that if ever there was a me pedal, that sounds like a me pedal. Yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling like a little little meet up again and getting you to try this this crazy mofo let's do it man yeah defo do it well i'll tell you what we need to do we need to re-record that uh super fuzz video that ended up the video didn't work but we've still got the audio for it yeah because oh that was such a great pedal it, I, I loved it was that. like the, the the pure joy on your face when you got to try the super fuzz so we can't necessarily it's- do the um like first first views of that but we can do we can do a video where you are just enjoying that fuzz i'm not gonna lie that's like i've i've actually got that video clip on my phone um <laughs> yeah and i just love when i hit like that open sea sauce and it's just like ugh, the gurn face comes out and i'm like yeah baby this is this is what it's all about yeah and uh, like you can see the reason why that super fuzz pedal got like that cult following. Yeah. Especially when you stick it in secret mode. Yes. Yes. I think by this point, everyone knows the secret mode. It's not so secret anymore, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I saw, I saw one actually. Um, I think like someone had posted it into a group, um, a, like a screenshot of a like reverb listing and someone had put the secret mode on a toggle switch. Okay. Which is really cool. Did you happen to see in our little group that we have when I shared the one that somebody was selling it for? I mean, you can buy them brand new for what was it? It's about 20, 25 quid, something like that. Yeah, and there's been as low to, as $15. Yeah, and someone was trying to sell it for £63 brand new. <laughs> wow, wow. And it's like, mate, you are smoking some premium ganja. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely, like, whatever 
you're trying to sell this pedal to buy. Like, I want some of that, please. Let me have some <laughs> of that, because it's it's seriously good stuff. It did matter. But yeah, that is it's a bit much, that isn't it? Uh, so I've, d- I've done that this week. I've I've, to- I've done a bit crutcher and a and a guitar. Um, coming up soon, very soon, there might be another guitar coming my way. But I will, I will be hush hush about this one. It's a very very special guitar. But I'm gonna keep keep the lips sealed on that one. So, Josh, can't be doing. Josh, what are we saying? Like, talk to us about the Birmingham Guitar Show because. Me and Matt gushed over the thing, uh, but we didn't get a chance to talk with you about it, did we? No. Um, so, yeah, UK Guitar Show was, I think, for me, a, I would say a roaring success. I really enjoyed the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really nice to, obviously, first it was meeting like Matt and Bimson the first time, you know, meeting them and actually getting to chat to some of the people that we... You know, we we speak to so much over the fa- over Facebook and you know yeah. through the through the Fret Talk podcast and blah blah blah. So it's really nice to you know to see all those and um, yeah. I knew I was going with some disposable income for my birthday <laughs> and tell so me like, I, So you know, I was on a look around and checked out some. Um, I checked out the brand new, which came out today. Technically speaking, the Hairy Squid from uh, Red Beard Effects, which was like a fuzz with three uh, clipping modes. There was an LED. Um, there was, a, I think it was silicon and germanium. So you could tog- use a toggle switch to switch between the three. And it was gnarly as hell. Yeah, um, yeah I, saw, I, I, um, I saw Mikey's um, like promo video that dropped today. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the the rig that it was used for, now this isn't anything to say to do, with, you know, about Mikey or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I think kind of the, the rig that was playing it through didn't, for me, give me the most accurate and justifiable kind of sound for it. I would, um, I, I liked it. I think I would have liked it more if I want, you know, I would have been able to try it through like my quad cortex or something, for example. So I like my fuzz over uh, overdrive. You know, I don't like it over a clean or a crunch. I like it on full gain. Yeah. And it's, I love it in full beans mode. Yeah. We were running them in the show directly into a uh, cab M plus, weren't we? Which is yeah. really bright and really clean. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily enjoy through that. Yeah, um, yeah it, it weren't given the most pleasant representation, but you could hear what, like, what it, it would be like. Yeah, what it, what it like. was doing. Yeah, because you can extrapolate from from the, the clean tone, from, like, actually what the pedal would sound like. Yeah, because what I ended up doing was um, I took my Chapman ML1 Relic which I'll yes. get to in a minute. Um, and so, like, I knew I had my main guitar. I know what it sounds like. I know how it feels uh, when I was trying bits and pieces out. That's um, really clever, that. And 
Yeah, I wanted a sense of familiarity. Yeah. Because uh, I could have, you know, ha- ironically enough that he had a couple of Chapmans and the Manson there to um, like play through with anyway. But I was like, no, I want my guitar. I know how it plays. I know how it reacts. I know how it sounds. Yeah. So you're taking all the variables out of it. Yeah. Um, and it was good. But again, like I said, I wish, you know, I would have preferred to have, have it through my own personal sort of rig. Um Really enjoyed that. I tried out the Grimalkin as well from um, yeah, Ritual. Ritual. That was great. I'll, I'll be honest, I ended up trying that later in the day. I think if I would have tried it earlier in the day, I probably would have walked out with it. I really liked it. <laughs> I really, really liked it because it was very reminiscent to my Cooper Sonic Germaniac. It's very similar where you added stuff in, the more crazy it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, I got to try out the Danish Pete new signature Chapman. Oh, did you actually try it? I did actually try it and it no. was really fucking good. It was really good. And I tried out a few of the um, the workshop series guitars as well. And so, they were really good. So what what is the workshop? This isn't the those custom three no, grand ones. So um the so the the workshop guitars are like all made in the UK. You're talking like the utmost premium woods, like the necks were bird's eye uh, roasted maple yeah. um necks. Um the the triple A top flame tops and bits and pieces like that, um bare knuckle pickups coming in um, and locking shallow hardware, like you know, kind of as premium as, as they were going to get. Um, you know, they're not cheap. They're about two to 3,000, depending on the sort of spec um, mm. that you do, which, you know, you obviously then you are kind of talking PRS territory. And I'll admit that when they came out, I was sceptical. Um, and I tried, and I tried a couple of them. I tried all three of them, actually, that were there. And I really enjoyed them. I really, really liked them. And I've got, custom shop ESPs that are in that price category. Yeah. It blew them out of the water. I'm not going to lie. Boy. I'm really, I, I genuinely, I'm not going to lie. They were, they were fantastic. Um, yeah. Rob played, because obviously everyone knows I'm a good friend with Rob Chapman and it was good to see him because I hadn't seen him since the 2020 guitar show just before COVID. Um, so it was really good to see him again after a while. Um, so we had, you know, we had a couple of coffees and a chat and he, I got him to try out my ML1 Relic and he offered to buy it off me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, have you done anything other than change the pickups and the Relic work? And I was like, no. I said, it's still all original fretboard, um, like frets. Um, I've not had to have it leveled or anything like that. You know, everything is still the way it came and, like are you selling it and that was like mm, not yeah. really and he's just like I'll buy it off you today I was just like mm. <laughs> and part of me was like I should have said give me a workshop guitar and you can have it <laughs> yeah um, and funny enough I was chatting to Rabia last night um, while he's in Japan and apparently Rob has sent Rabia a text message on the night saying that he offered to buy it off me <laughs> 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 um 
And I got to meet some of the people that actually, you know, kind of behind Chapman Guitars. I, I didn't, I like, they knew me, but I didn't yeah. know them, so to speak. And um, I was having a chat to Dan, who kind of runs a lot of the social media through Chapman. And um, I ended up buying an ML1 when I was there for a really good price. I'm not going to divulge it, but I got it for much less than it should have been. Um, and yeah, it's nice uh, being in the know, who you know. Yeah. And um, when I was chatting to him, because it was a toss-up between that and it was a toss-up between the ML2, like the single cut Les Paul style shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, like, okay, you know, don't feel obligated, but say, you know, if you take the ML1, we'll send you an ML2 Yeah, on loan. And then if you want to send it back, you can, you know, if you want to keep it or sort of price out sort of thing. Yeah. Or he said, you can take the ML2 today for the same price, like for the same price as what the ML1's been offered for, but it probably wouldn't sell you the ML1, um, send you the ML1 as well. So it was kind of, it was kind of like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, so um, once uh, Nam is over, because I think Nam's in the next week or two. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's sorting out a lot of stuff for that. He said once he's back from Nam, he's going to be shipping out the guitar to me to do some stuff with, which I'm looking forward to. That'll be really cool. Yeah, you can um, see, uh, show us those. Maybe like do a little little video showing the specs and showing like showing a couple of tone examples of. The... I, I I absolutely will because um, I've got the ML one that I bought down in Dick. Like I had it originally in standard, and I was like, hmm, it's my first time using Seymour Duncan pickups, so I'm kind of getting used to them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I ended up putting it in E flat, and I did a couple of uh, rehearsals with some people um, nice. with it, and I was like, okay, it's nice. Um, and then I've put it into D standard now. And now it's singing. It's singing. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah baby. This is where it sits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's sitting it's sitting really nicely there. And um I'm really happy with it. Uh so the, the UK guitar show was great. Yeah. And since then, I'm well, when I was at the UK guitar show, I met up with um Phil from Pedal Patch. Um and because I messaged him and I was like, look, I'm rebuilding my board after uh, my birthday. So I want to get some really good quality cables. And, and obviously a new pedal patch did the solderless kit. So I chatted to him and he was really nice to sort me out with a good deal um, on everything that I would need to get my board. So it was like, I know I need roughly this many connectors and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. As it turns out, I'm for short. Oh no! Connectors short. I might because, be able to hook you up, my man. Um, because <laughs> the day after the UK guitar show, I seen a a mimic, a TC electronic mimic for a steal of a price. A yeah, guitar, guitar. Because usually secondhand, they're going about one hundred and twenty quid, one hundred and thirty quid, give or take. Um, and guitar, guitar had put up a post saying, oh pre-owned in Birmingham, message us if you're interested. And I said, the stereo mimic. So I sent yeah. them a message. And I was like, how much are you sending the mimic for? And they went 65 quid. And I was like, sold. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
you're not playing now. You're not playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which has been an absolute godsend of a purchase. I love it. But yes, uh, the pedal patch stuff was so easy. I was like, you can't be really this easy to make solderless cables. I was just like, nah, yeah, can't. Because me and Matt were bigging it up. We were going, honestly, like we've been able to do it. Like we ain't no no specialists and we've both done them and not had a failure yet. Yeah. You're like, no, it can't be that easy. Because and and, it, and you showed me and it's literally like cut, put you know push in twist screw done and I was like ah no way um, <laughs> and then when I got my birthday present off my partner and I was doing the pedal board like I'd, I'd done all the other bits and pieces and then I'm connected in the final one and I was like everything worked first time I was like fuck <laughs> yeah this don't even work with regular patch cables yeah. Um, and I've done everything to such precise lengths where I've got nothing hanging underneath, nice. really. I've only got one where it goes kind of like to the left and back or to the right. I've cable tied that in on the bottom so it's nice and neat. But yeah, everything worked first time. Um, it's great. And I finally got my dream pedal to put on the board. Nah, uh, what I've wanted for so long. And it was the game changer plasma coil which my lovely girlfriend bought me for my birthday and there's a really funny backstory with this because I fucking love it it's great <laughs> so my partner Laura she had messaged Mr. Budget Pedal Chap um, I don't know when it was I th- I th- she messaged her I think it must have been around Christmas time or before Christmas or something like that I'm not sure when it was also known as the, the season of the scammer or yes. the, se- the season of uh, <laughs> horny wives in your area. Yeah. Um, so um, my partner was kind of, like, she was like, I'm in an and getting me this pedal for Christmas. And because she hadn't heard of Mr. Budget Pedal Chat because he mistook her for the hot <laughs> single Ukrainian woman living in your area. <laughs> um, because it cut into your, yeah, like, you know, went into my spam folders. Yeah, yeah. The spam folder. And I, I assumed, like, young, attractive looking female, <laughs> this is going to be, like, this is going to be a Ugandan chap. <laughs> like, um, looking so- for fucking iTunes vouchers. She she um had asked like budget pedal chat for what what's Josh been wanting or blah 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 blah. I'd never heard a response, so she didn't get me one for Christmas. And then I remember because I had some Christmas money and I, I, all I was I was just looking at plasma coil plasma coil, looking for all the best prices and whatnot. Yeah. So she must have got like tipped off on onto that. And then I think it was start of February. Um, she sent me a message saying, I've bought you a birth- your birthday present. And I was like, ooh, okay. And she's like, do you want to know what it is? And I was kind of like, I'm intrigued. And she was like, oh, I, I think it's something you've been looking at. And I was like, okay. And she sent me a screenshot of what she had bought. And, but she had, she had seen, like, she left the price on there. And it said GAC, and like receipt number, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, you know, it says in the email, like, you know, plasma coil or you know, I don't know, raise the dead, whatever. Yeah. She just like coloured over it in 
black ink so it didn't give it away but it showed the price and i was like i know what that is because i know how much it costs (laughs) and she was like i messaged the the dude that you do the podcast with and he just didn't reply to me like asking (laughs) i was asking him what you wanted and he just didn't reply to me i was really offended and i was just like okay let me message him about that and so i messaged budget (laughs) and he was like oh here it is in my spam folder <laughs> with along with, you know, X amount of, you know, single Ukrainian women. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I had to wade through hundreds of uh, hundreds of scammers to get through to the, the one nugget of actual truth. So <laughs> like here's my my personal apology to your missus here. Is that I think it's the greatest story behind a pedal I've heard for a while. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. Indeed. And in, in some ways it's a compliment because they like they don't use the, the photos of ugly women in these uh like in these little scam things, do they? So I mean, in a weird backhanded way. <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> there you go, Laura, you heard it first. But yeah, so it's um, um this is this is me extending my apology. Uh, I will. I will try harder the next time. So, for the people that aren't aware of it, the the game changer stuff is great. So, it's basically like um, a a fuzz. It's a fuzz pedal with um, it's essentially a xenon gas filled tube yeah. in the middle of the pedal. Then, when you turn it on, it basically turns your guitar signal into lightning. Um, Hell yeah, it, it does. It, the, the lightning you see go like through and react in this xenon filled tube. Uh, and it's about, th- I think it's 30,000 volts that are going through the, 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 Z- the little xenon tube and you can see it all arcing and going mad. And it's also then got an extra mode where you can bring in octave up, octave down, one octave up, one octave down, two down, one up, and then like two down, two up. And you can, put it into those modes and then engage extra boost. So then basically amplifies the voltage even more. And then it just goes, makes crazy noises. I'm like, fucking love it. (laughs) I absolutely fucking love it. It was that pedal where, you know, when you, you put, you know, you turn it on and then you just start smiling and giggling and laughing. You're like, (laughs) this is so good. It's that. I'm I'm glad that it's oh, all, I love it. It's all come through for you. I'm 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 really glad. It it's been worth the wait, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh. That's uh yeah, that's a a feel good story with a with a comedy twist in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're kind of we're midway through the podcast. I think we should probably uh tackle the hot take from last week, which uh, the results will surprise you. So the the hot take. <laughs> Indeed, the the hot take from last week was John Frusciante is not a guitar hero. No, hundred percent of the votes, one hundred percent of the votes says he is responsible for the success of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But why is it one hundred percent of the votes? Well, that's because. I don't know. Budge. Why is it 100% of the votes? That's because Lee, in his infinite wisdom, managed to delete the option 
for against. So it was for the, for the most part of the week level pegging between kind of 50-50. Then one would kind of go up a little bit and then the and then the other would come up a little bit. But it was kind of sitting around 50-50. Like Lee's excuse was it was trying to look at the the percentages um and instead ended up deleting one of the <laughs> the options which I didn't think was a was an option for someone who didn't make the the poll but apparently it was because he's, he's an admin <laughs> and might have to take admin rights away from him oh dear so this week's hot take essentially is invalid i guess uh, I, I think we're gonna have our first inconclusive inconclusive so i think i will probably concede to the fact that john frusciante is a guitar hero that being said However, I did a little test before the podcast um, and my missus, who is not a particular, like she's like your general kind of music fan, will listen to stuff that's on. She knows who the Red Hot Chili Peppers are. Like she grew up the same kind of time that I did. So she know, like she's heard of the Chili Peppers. She could name a few songs. So I asked her a, a couple of guitar heroes. And I said, like, what band is Slash part of? And she's like, yeah, that's, I know that one, Guns N' Roses. Um, what band is Jimmy Page part of? And she's like, oh, I'm not quite sure with that one, but um, I've heard of the what? name. Yeah, look, she's she's just like a general, like general music listener, not a, not a guitar enthusiast by any stretch. Says John Frusciante, which band's he part of? Not a fucking clue. So, to me, that is, that's not a guitar hero. That's not a guitar hero. But there you go. Um, I'm conceding to it. I'm saying that John Frusciante is a guitar hero because so many people came up with compelling enough arguments. Um, she did throw a comment out there, <laughs> which is bound to rile up is bound to rile up Red Hot Chili Pepper fans everywhere. She referred to the Chili Peppers as the Maroon 5 of the 90s. (laughs) So any and all hate for that comment, please, yeah, just put it in the podcast group and I'll I'll send it it on to her. She's (laughs) I mean, that could be this week's hot take, but it's not. We'll save that for we'll save that for a little while to let the the heat on those chili peppers cool down. <laughs> we have got another hot take this week, haven't we, Josh? And it was we submitted have. by yourself. It was submitted by myself, and it got quite a little bit of um, flack in our fret talk. Yeah, because we grew. We pre hot taked this one, didn't we? We pre hot taked it, and it did. It got a little bit spicy in the uh, in the in the group chat. Yes, I'm expecting the internet to lap this up. Um, so this is my personal opinion. Feel free to disagree with it. A lot of people are. Um, but Richie Sambora is better slash. Ooh, right, okay, okay. This is a bold, bold statement here. Justify your opinion here, Josh. Give people... Um, so. The, the the way I come to think of it, and I know there's going to be a lot of kind of ways to 
this can be used against me. Yeah. Um, I kind of liken guitar players with their abilities to kind of how um, catchy and how well they're able to kind of bring their the, the songs across as a guitar player. So, you know, like playing the right thing for the right time, whatever. Yeah. So when you think of Slash, you know, you know automatically that, you know, Guns N' Roses. And you think of Sweet Child of Mine, November Rain, Paradise City. And then you kind of go, hmm. Well, what else is it? To the jungle. I don't even think that's a great song, in my opinion. That's me. That's, <laughs> that's different. That's totally different. And see, I didn't even think about that song. How about uh, um, Slither by Velvet Revolver or uh, Fall to Pieces or Anastasia by Anastasia. Slash? Yeah. Okay. Or the one that he did with Fergie. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and I, I think, you know, like he, you know, He's, I wouldn't say he's very basic as a guitar player, but I would say that, um, you know, he is, he sticks to what he can do. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. He's, you know, not rests on his laurels, but I, I, I find him personally very plain and very yeah, boring. Quite, quite samey. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've, I've always, Richie Sambora as a much better guitar player and that is in the sense of he's he's very very good at finding the right sort of um, guitar work to fit yeah. songs like when um, you've kind of got stuff like Living on a Prayer for example it's a very um, you've kind of got the build up of the emotion of the song and then the solo lets it all out and it's, you know, wanted dead or alive. Yeah, you know, completely that very, different, the 12-string intro and... You know, it gives, you know, that, that cowboy-style um, yeah. background that, that goes with... Um, oh, fucking hell, Blaze of Glory. Yeah, the Young, young Guns. Is the Young the, Guns soundtrack, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've yeah. always personally found that he's, his work is a lot catchier. And I've always found it more, um, like with some of the stuff, it, I think it's more technically advanced at times with some of the ways that he's done stuff and the techniques that he uses Whoa, in a lot okay. of his solos. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think I'd have to, I'd have to disagree there. Slash has shown more technical advancement than... Um, than Sambora pretty much across the um, across the board like the the crazy like the last minute of uh, Paradise City where he's just shredding the shit out of a Les Paul just non-stop uh, kind of licks and then you've got the uh, the weird little kind of Phrygian run as well in um, in Sweet Child of Mine and I mean, the, like the, the just the solo of Sweet Child of Mine is like incredibly well written and like lasts longer than a lot of the lead breaks in the in the Bon Jovi stuff. But I think the strongest part of the the argument there is the kind of the musicality. And I think as 
as technical as Slash can get, especially having it slung down at his knees, and he can still do it live. That's... That's the thing is, I have seen so many videos where he can't do it live, and that's the problem. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I've I've seen him absolutely nail like some of the stuff live. Um, he he's got it slung down super super low, so I mean, there's reason that he shouldn't be able to do it. But on records, he's like blown blown Sambora out of the water with some of the stuff that he can do. That being said, like the the iconic hits, like the big riffs, the ones that you remember, big anthemic things, like the guitar parts that you remember. I think Slash has got a few, don't get me wrong. Like he's got like that sweet child of mine riff is something you've heard butchered in every guitar shop you've ever been in. Um and there's like there's a couple couple more tunes, but the the peaks of Sambora's like writing, like riff writing and like melodic solo writing, they're higher peaks and more consistent peaks than Slash has got. Like the like you say, Pigeon on a Chair is uh is an iconic riff. Pigeon chair. Um but then you've got you have got that like that the one that you hear in all acoustic sections of guitar shops is the Wanted Dead or Alive riff being butchered. Um, you've got like Always, you've got Bad Medicine, and like even like It's My Life, like just two chords, well, the same chord played twice, is like an iconic guitar part. Like people remember it, and like he has endured with that like talk box sound as well, like bringing that through, uh, through the ages, and like having that like really strange fucking effect as part of his sound. So there's there's argument for uh, for either person, I think, but there's like definitely like the more iconic parts. Oh, uh, Sambora just wins hands down. I think Slash had a really good album with Guns N' Roses. Like, Appetite for Destruction is a really solid album and finds itself as one of those iconic rock albums through the ages. Um, but, like, a lot of the other Guns N' Roses stuff, there was a lot of filler after that. And then, like you said, there's there's been stuff since, like the Velvet Revolver stuff, and and he's done some solo stuff. Has it ever really reached the peaks of that original Appetite for Destruction? Probably not. I don't hear many people going into a guitar shop and playing like Velvet Revolver tunes. You're more likely to hear someone playing a bunch of Bon Jovi stuff. I like Bon Jovi stuff through the ages. So, I don't know. Um, final thoughts on it, Josh. What what are we saying? Like, I, you know, don't get don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Slash is like you know uh, a mediocre player because you know, say you know you do hear the songs like you know Sweet Child of Mine. It is you know it's in a very iconic, um, you know, riff and thing for 
guitar players and has spurred a lot of people on. But I, I just, I find that I wouldn't say that it's kind of lazy writing on this part. It's like, you know, he's openly said that that was just like a water scale warm up that he was doing, for example, that made it into the song. Yeah. Um, I mean, if like if you're coming from that that angle, "Smoke on the Water" is potentially one of the most iconic guitar riffs. Like even like your first guitarist, will play it wrong or play it on the E string and just ignore it for far. But that was originally a warm up for Richie Blackmore. Like he used to like it was like a thumb warm up for him. He'd do that with his thumb up and down the neck to get like to get his stretch loosened up. And I don't know, it's like, I I remember um, a friend of mine was at Download Festival Affair when Guns N' Roses were playing the last time. I think it was like 2017, 18 or something like that. And um, he had sent me videos and on, on, you know, Slash sounded fucking dog shit. Absolute dog shit. And it was kind of like trying to hear him attempt to play November Rain was like the kind of nails down a chalkboard sort of thing. Mm. And when you're kind of of Slash's calibre, and people argue with this bit, whatever, like, you know, oh, you know, he's a bit older, blah, blah, blah. Maybe just doesn't quite got it in him, had had an off day or whatever. When he's been so iconic in, you know, Especially when you kind of you wrote all this, and I remember what I re- hearing once that the actual outro to um, November Rain was improvised. I remember hearing whether that's fact or not. I don't know. Um, like, come on, you should be able to play your own stuff live better, especially when you're kind of doing the comeback tour. <laughs> you know, when you're doing the comeback tour, and you know you want to be absolutely on the pocket in there and then you, you can't even play your own stuff correctly it's a bit kind of like yeah like it needs to be it needs to be brushed up and iconic doesn't it um yeah i've I've got a little, a little story about uh slash and download but i'm gonna save it for the patreon because it's definitely not for delicate ears uh, <laughs> so um yeah we like we put it out there um Richie Sambora is better, not a better guitarist, not a better songwriter, he's just better than Slash. That is the wording, that is what you need to argue. Interpret that how you will. And in the podcast group, there may, there may be a, um, a poll by the time that this, this comes out. I can't promise that it will be out on time because I usually schedule these things in advance but my computer's off for repair. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if I'll, if I can, but I'll try. I will try my hardest listeners. I will try. Be, be assured that I will. Right. We've got some things. We've got some questions. Well, questions, statements, general musings from the, uh, the podcast group, which I thought are much more important than the news this week, because there is there none. isn't any. <laughs> no, there's there's a few little things, but I just you know when you just can't be asked. Like it's not it's not inspiring enough news for me to write it down. 
so we is where we is and i think the the musings in the group are actually a much more interesting um take so our first one is from our resident conversation starter mr nick scott we've got could someone please explain rick beato <laughs> just like doesn't really get it I think what he said on the post, because I've not got it to hand, but I've, I did read it and I re- responded to it a few times. I think he'd seen the video on the string gauges, which is like for any of you who haven't seen it, it's like Rick Beato um, debunking the myth that thicker strings sound better. So he, he tried the same guitar with sets of strings going from 0.8 gauge all the way up to 12s, I think. And, and like saw how the, the tone changed. And actually, the thinner strings sounded thicker. Like the tone was much fuller and rounder sounding, which was really strange. Um, and like he commented how it, it took some time to get used to, like, because you overbend the shit out of them because there's so little tension. Um, but actually, the tone, like the tonal, um, characteristics there wasn't mass amounts in it and actually the the thinnest strings sounded a bit better weirdly well uh, um cz top are obviously very you know famous for using i think they use seven is it sevens or eights i think gibbons yeah billy uses. gibbons was using eights for a long time and he's went down even to sevens now and um, you know they have a a ridiculously good sound. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think the thing with ZZ Top is they don't let any of that guitar or amplifier get in the way of their fuzz pedal tone. And there's just like mass amounts of gain on top of mass amounts of gain. But it works. Like his tone is wicked. So, you know. Um, but like as a as a broader sense, how do we justify Rick Beato? I think... Like, <laughs> He's a content creator at the end of the day. That's what he is, and that's what he's very good at. Yeah, yeah. And um, as much as people take the piss out of him for being like this kind of boomer final boss, um, he he's so knowledgeable. Yeah, like as like for all of the times that he shouts at a cloud like an angry old man, he actually knows his shit. He's been in the industry like recording bands in the two thousands. Um, and he's learnt his craft. He knows, like, there's multiple guitar lessons on online where he's just, like, ripping out, like, all of the different scales and modes that you should use over, like, certain chords in a progression. Uh, so he knows his stuff. I don't think there's anybody else out there that has the knowledge he does. Yeah, look. Um, he, and he's, yeah, he... Like I say, his knowledge of kind of theory and, and the guitar as um, an art form is it, just second to none. It, it just, it really is. Um, and when he divulges down into, um, you know, things about like, you know, what makes this song great and it's that he does with that, I think is really interesting as well because I think he can also give that producer um, outlook onto things and he picks out so many little nuances 
yeah for tracks that you would never normally hear yeah it's um, it's a really interesting watch isn't it oh um, uh, yeah I, i've learned a lot from him especially when it comes to doing things like you know kind of production on, on bits that he's picked out um from you know songs like in, in the series and with some of his theory and um how he can kind of just pick everything up so really fucking well <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's the kind of stuff that like you can tell that he's not having to sit there and research it for hours and hours because it's stuff that he kind of intrinsically has picked up over that time yeah uh, and he does he does interviews with with artists as well he's done like a couple with Steve Lukather he's done one with Justin Hawking recently um the like he gets all of these like wicked insights into just like cool music shit so yes there are kind of boom moments with it and there's there's like him <laughs> and like shouting into the cloud saying that modern music is terrible and that like the art of of musicianship has has declined and but like if you take it if you take it with a pinch of salt he's i don't know i like there's there's value to be had there he's got like over three million people viewing it's for a reason like I understand what people say like with that mindset because you know the musicianship and the way guitar is now completely changed from what it was 20 30 40 years ago sort of thing you know a lot of it has changed and I I get where he's coming from because it has changed you know and you know he like you say you know has the 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 boomer mentality on it and whatnot but a lot of people his age are exactly the same. Oh, a lot of people his age are worse. They are yeah. much more close-minded. Like, he had um, Tim Henson from Polyphia on his... I can't um, stand him. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you can stand stand him, like, he's one of the new wave of, of guitar um, players. He's one of the people who young guitarists are looking up to and Beato could e- like easily have said oh this plinky plinky shit but no he's invited the guy on to talk about like the new wave of guitar stuff I think it, like the interview with Beato was where he mentioned the word boomer bends yeah <laughs> where that's he got where it all come from yeah but there you I- go so he's <clears throat> he's still like he's keeping an open mind about music but um yeah, so so for Nick, I think actually there's um there's value to be had there. There's definitely stuff that you're gonna find interesting. I th- I think um it's it's not a channel that I watch all that often, but I I do occasionally indulge, especially with the interviews. And whenever I watch yeah. it, I don't feel like I'm being shortchanged. I feel like there's there's value there. Yeah, like, I'll definitely, you know, I tend to watch, like, you know, when he does the, um, like, the What Makes This Song Great, I quite enjoy, like, you know, the top, you know, say, 10 
I don't know, drum intros from the 2000s and, you know, the little series things that he does like that. I, I, I enjoy those. Yeah. Because um, I find they're quite interesting you know, to hear his, at the end of the day, his opinion on things. That's what it is. It's an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd definitely say thumbs up. Give it a try. Because if you, if you enjoyed that strings video, definitely give it a go. Uh, right, we've got Bimson who posted in the podcast group literally just before we uh, came live here. So there weren't that many reactions to this post. Uh, but he says, am I weird? Uh, he doesn't necessarily care about um, the pick that he's using. He doesn't necessarily care about the scale length of the guitar or the neck profile of the guitar. Um, to him, he like, he'll try try the guitar out and if he likes it, he likes it. It's more of like a, an instinct thing rather than a, I'll narrow myself down to like, I know I definitely don't like this neck profile or I know that I definitely prefer this scale length to this scale length. So he just feels it out almost. It's a very interesting point because I've, found like when you know i've been and tried so many different guitars and i've had many um guitars come through my hands you know through trading and bits and pieces like that yeah and there's been so many guitars that i've had where i've looked at the spec and thought in theory that you know that's very much you know leans itself to the style i play or you know i like a slimmer neck or bits and pieces like that but they everything feels different regardless no you know i don't think necessarily no two necks are the same or bits and pieces like you have to be very open-minded with things you can know what you like like you know for example you're not gonna like emg pickups floyd rose you know these sorts of bits and pieces you know that you like your single coils or hss layout bits and pieces like that yeah, and you have your, I guess your your comfort zone. I think is a good way to word it. Yeah. Um. But I wouldn't necessarily say that. Oh, I only use this sort of thing, so I'm only going to look for that that style. You know, like fifty styles neck, for example. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself in the situation where I'm limiting everything. Yeah. Um, take for example when I was trying out the workshop Chapman um, one of them had like a really big fat baseball style neck which you know usually isn't my sort of thing but actually when in, in the context of the guitar when I played it it was really nice and it's really comfortable mm. um, you know I probably would struggle doing a two hour gig with it because now, if you're playing classic Rocky Les Paul chords, you might be okay. But with me, with you kind of and a lot of progressive stuff up and down the fretboard, you'd, I'd have cramps by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think the like the specs of a guitar are a bit like a roadmap. Um, yeah, for, for me, I know I like I prefer single coils. I like, I, the majority of my guitars are single chords, but then again, I own a Les Paul, I own a Gibson Midtown, I own 
multiple different guitars that kind of go against that. Um, and I've taken those on their own merit. So a new, like I go into it knowing I prefer the sound of single coils, but I'll give it a go. I know that I prefer darker uh, fretboards, but I played that uh, Jet JS400 with a maple board and really enjoyed it. Like the, the Jet is a really, really prime example. I mentioned this in the video as well. I had some massive concerns about the um, the ceramic pickups because in the past I've tried cheaper ceramic pickups and they've just lacked. Like I prefer the sound of um, Alnico pickups, Alnico 5s usually with uh, strap pickups. But I played it, I went and I played it in a band rehearsal and at volume they sounded great. So I know I've got these preconceptions already built in. I know what I might be looking for if I'm going into a guitar shop and I know that I would probably prefer this guitar over that guitar because of this spec and this spec and this spec. But I'm not going to discount the other guitar. I'm not going to say I'm never going to try that because if I did, I'd have a a rack that is full of strats, wouldn't I? <laughs> and I'm what- not going to lie. I've been, when I've tried guitars out before, I have blindfolded myself. I've took like a sleep mask and blindfolded myself and I've picked like four guitars. I'm going to try all four of these. Blindfold yourself. Take your sight and your mind out of it and you just play it. Because I think you'd be surprised at what, because you, you might end up then going, oh, oh, I like this one the most. Oh, this has got the, you know, I don't know, wizard style neck or whatever. Oh, I didn't think I'd like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of doing things. Uh, you definitely need either guitar racks that you can have very close to you or a friend to come with you. To yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise you're going to get some really angry guitar staff with you just like chucking guitars on the floor. <laughs> but yeah, obviously that goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I'm... We'll talk a little bit more about picks later as well because we've got um, we've got uh, like a final comment about about picks. Um, but in terms of like the specs of a guitar, scale length never bothered me. Um, whether it's Fender or Gibson, does does not bother me at all. I I will play either. I use I use ten gauge strings across the board. I do it whatever the gauge, whatever the uh, the scale length. I am using a set of tens. Um, uh, like f- for me, I think that, like the the accompaniments of a guitar, like the the tuners and stuff like that. I have a a preferred thing, like I prefer locking tuners. But again, I'm not letting these things dictate to me because I've got guitars that don't have that on, and I still like them and I still play them. Um, it, like I've got preference, but I don't let it be the only thing that I will choose because again I'd have a really boring rack of the same guitar um, and I don't I don't like my guitar collection there's probably too many of them but they all do something they all do something a little bit that the other ones don't and I find I play different with certain guitars as well so that inspires me I think Bimson mentioned that in his OP as well um, right our final bit of um, question 
question discussion um is ross philpotts one again one of our patreon backers um talking about jazz threes jazz three picks he sees jazz three picks all over the place especially us look on the podcast we we are champions of the jazz three um he says he uses 0.73 tortexes uh, as his usual thing. He's never really understood the 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 draw to the Jazz 3. Um, he says they do a tortex in the Jazz 3 shape. Should he try one? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so I would, I would almost... Um, Argue. I think there was someone who posted it in the um, like in the responses to this, and I think this is a um, a, a great reason for the just three is the like the material. It's like a it's a nylon pick. It's a millimeter thick, but it's it's got just enough flex in it. Like it, it's it's quite sturdy, so it doesn't flex a lot, but it's got just enough flex in it that you can get it to flex if you're trying. Um, so it's not ridiculously thick, but it's sturdy enough for the, um, for the size of it. Um, it's got that, that really nice balance. So I would almost argue against using a Tortex style jazz pick because I think that will have the flex of a Tortex in it. Whereas I think the, the beauty of the jazz three, the little red nylon jazz three, is actually the composition of all of the parts of it. The, the the material gives a certain tone. The size of it is the reason why I went towards the size of it is to try and get my picking to be more accurate because they are smaller. You have to really be conscious. Focus. Yeah, you have to you have to really focus on. You have to be conscious about your like how you're using your pick. I found that using bigger picks I was much much less refined with it and the the moment I started using jazz threes I started to really refine my picking and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and profess that my picking is anywhere near good enough my picking is the bit about my plane that lets it all down <laughs> but it would be much worse if I didn't play a jazz three so I, I, I'm a massive supporter of the jazz three I, I've had like a very weird, I, I would say like a very weird pick journey for me. Um, I started out using just, you know, like the black nylon one mil black ones. Yeah. Um, and I found that I'm, I'm very heavy handed, uh, and I was, I was chewing through them like no one's business, um, to a, like a, a very unreasonable amount. And then I came across um, a company called Hawk Picks. Um, okay. And I started using those for a while because they were like um, almost like an acrylic almost. Um, yeah. And I was experimenting because the, the, they um, did 1.6, 1. 1.42 um, in their sizes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try two mil. This is when I was starting to get a lot more kind of, you know, you know again, what's the word I'm looking for? Experimental with things. And for, for a good period, about three or four years, I was sticking with them because 
I really liked the thickness because it was working with me being very hairy handed. Um, Got but a sickness the for the thickness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and but with what I really found was with the um, the two mil thick, like the thickness combined with the the material was I was able to get like a year out of one pick. Yeah. Um, before it would start to get like a, a copious amount of wear. Where the yeah, you um, get the chamfer on either side of the pick. No, where... no, no. It wasn't like that. It was almost like a divot like that into okay. the pick, but more, but six or seven of them in one pick. Okay, that's um. What I'll have to do is I'll have to when we put this up, I'll take a picture because I still got one of them. I'll take a picture of it and put it into the group. Cool to show the wear that I was putting into them. Yeah. Um. And I was really liking them for a while. I, I noticed something very weird with my playing, but um, I hold a pick very weirdly. I only show a very, very small amount of a tip on the pick. That's <laughs> um, all it takes, my man. It's all it that's takes. all it takes. Um, and I get very sweaty hands to the point of I'm holding a pick how I normally would now. And if I just show Budge. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind of standard amount of pick that is, I would have thought. It's a very tiny amount. Yeah, yeah, that's um, kind of what I'm talking about. But yeah, um, well, you can barely see the 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 tip. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and I I get very sweaty hands when I play, and um, I I've tried so many picks that would just kept slipping out of my hand, and I remember trying. Um, Dunlop 1.4 Tortex and I actually had to gow had to get a Stanley blade and do the gouging lines into the pick. Yeah. In order to grip it. But then I really wasn't comfortable with the pick. And then I was just seen the Jazz threes and I was just like So I tried the larger ones first, because you've got the Jazz yeah, the Three, then you've got the Jazz Three Mini. Yeah, the XLs. And I tried the XLs and it was okay. It wasn't too bad. I was like, it's just too big, though. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many fucking puns. I, I get that all in, of the time, mate. Windows. I get it all in, of the time. No, you don't. Don't like. Um, <laughs> then I wake up. And, <laughs> and then I, I've tried the minis, and I've kind of stuck with them. Yeah. But I still keep wanting to go back to the Hawks. Okay. Uh, the two mil... The Jazz 3 size, the acrylic thickness. But all it lacks is the grip. That's all that it lacks. And, for, and I've spoken to Rob, who runs Hawk, um, and he hasn't really got anything to be able to put that kind of into um, yeah, into place. The best he did was he drilled six holes into the pick. Yeah. Um, which worked, but I'd find that like after a gig or after like a week of playing, I'd have to like get rid of some of the sweat in out of the holes. Nice. Yeah, that's how badly my hands sweat when I play. What you might might do is get some <clears throat> like get some super glue or something and put some some like coarse material like sand or something on top where the super glue is. You'll get ah. like a 
almost look an look, abrasive. Yeah, look, look, almost like a grip tape on a, a skateboard. That's not a bad idea. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> nothing if not um, resourceful. But there we have it for for this week. That is our podcast. Um, and I'm I'm extending a thank you to our listeners. You are awesome people. And I'm extending an extra special sexy thank you to our Patreon backers. And if you stick around, you can uh, catch us on the page in just a moment. For as little as $2 a month, you could be part of this exclusive, wonderful, glorious Patreon crew. And they are as follows. We've got Mr. Andrew Bimson of The Rising of the Lights. We have got Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects of Masters of the Cinematic Universe and the Just Surprising Boot Podcast. We've got Mr. Hugh G-Rection. We have got Mr. Ben Fletcher of Fletcher Pickups. We have got Mr. Brian Gower of the Tone Jerks Podcast, of the Second Button Podcast, and the Off the Rails Podcast with the A-Train. And we have got Mr. Ross Philpotts. Hey. Booyah. If you want to catch me online, I am Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. YouTube is the home to the No Talk or Tone series, which this week features the Sonic Ache Wave Crush, which is potentially the most mental guitar pedal I've ever tried. Josh, where can we find you, my man? You can find me at the Corona Mortis on Instagram, and you can find me also at Josh Castle TCM on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And that'll be us for this week. So for myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap, from Mr. Oh my gosh, it is Josh. It will be a tatty bye. And good night for this week. ta da bit. Bye. Bye. accidentally sent a naked photo to everyone in my address book. Not only was it embarrassing, but it cost me a fortune in stamps.